0: Welcome to Syracast episode 13, which is both good and bad luck, I think. We're still trying to figure out this audio stuff, so bear with us. But as the days get colder and we get closer to the onslaught of smartphones, beginning with the iPhone 6 tomorrow, there's lots of stuff to talk about. And we are here once again in our new studio, to my left, Douglas Soltis. Oh, boy, boy. it's actually today because we're recording from the future. Right, the future. sorry, you're hearing this and the iPhone 6 is already on sale. And to my right, Jane McInteggert, how are you?
1: I'm great, how are you?
0: I'm okay, I'm pretty good. I was, I was a bit frustrated last week with the result of the podcast. I believe that uh, my, my sound recorder was, was out to get me. Um, but we, we salvaged it somewhat, so uh, I think it turned out okay. And uh, this week has been pretty busy. It's been a it's been a busy week. What have you guys been uh, been thinking about uh, about this week? It's been.
2: Uh... I've been thinking about why HTC hates me.
0: What are you What are you talking <laughs> about?
2: Um. So I've been playing around with the HTC One M8 and uh, HTC Sense. Uh, I get the sense that it's out to kill me with frustration. And while I've really been enjoying playing with the phone and kind of like teaching my hands to get used to a screen that is uh, bigger than four inches, uh, I understand why people stick to Nexus, ride or die. Ride or die, why? Because, th- get all the stupid fucking HTC things out of my way, quit what asking. Is,
1: is that this morning, you were like, oh, I actually really dig sets, I think it's great. And then I was like, I don't know, I flashed stock advert onto my image. Yeah, and, and then it asked like, me... Why do you to... need to flush that flush, flash, <laughs> 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 flash stock Android? And like, HTC Sense is so nice and it's so helpful. And then six hours later, you were like, I want to die.
2: Because it, for the, the next six hours, it kept asking me to do things I didn't want to do. And it didn't listen when I told it to not ask me anymore. Um, which, it, you know, it just got in the way of the experience. It got it in the way of Android.
0: So you're okay with Android? You're just frustrated with that little feature so far. I'm
2: getting more okay with Android. To be Interesting. Honest. Yeah. Um, which and it's a it's a good time to really re-familiarize myself with it. I haven't really played with Kit Kat
0: devices. Um, that Is it wise. because you hate chocolate, or you just don't really like Android? I hate
2: branding tie-ins like that. No. <laughs> um. It's just it's just been a while. Like the, I think the last uh, phones, Android phones, I played around with were kind of like low-end Motorola phones, and you know. Playing around with it now as uh, Android L gets prepped for its candy name, and is iOS has just dropped my phone. This is a weird thing. Is my my iPhone five has iOS eight, and I haven't haven't really touched it yet.
1: That's weird because I use Android all the time, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about iOS eight this week. I've been like pointing like, out all the all the information that I can find.
2: Hmm. so uh, maybe we should uh, segue right in then to Daniel's bullshit iOS 8 review which was way too high and obviously super biased
0: totally biased um, yeah so you know I've been using iOS 8 for a few months now uh, through the beta versions and a lot of stuff that really didn't um, work right at the beginning now works pretty well and, and I, I was super impressed with less the aesthetic improvements than the just huge number of uh, developer upgrades. And I really appreciate that Apple continues to make developers a priority. And I'm not going to dismiss the, fa- like the, the work that Google's done on Android L, and we'll talk about that later on in the pod, but I think that with um, just the bevy of updates coming from major app developers from New York Times to Evernote to 1Password to the CBC News, there's some really great design happening in iOS right now. And you know that design informs other platforms. I mean, good design is good design, and mm-hmm. if you follow the guidelines that the that the uh, company lays out for you, then you're going to create a good product. But I really think that you know, yes, there's a hell of a lot of catching up that Apple's done with iOS 8, iOS eight. I mean, you look at a you look at something like extensions and the ability to load third party keyboards, and you're like, well, yeah, like Android users have had had that for for so long but then you say well then there's this new camera api that allows you to set granular controls and make really really precise edits and import photos from your from your gallery right into other apps and you're just like the things that were better on ios were are are now even better than they were and they were already ahead of android and the stuff that was behind Android is now catching up to Android. And that's what I appreciated about it, is that Apple with the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus and iOS 8 acknowledged that they were behind in a lot of ways and they were basically like okay, well we're going to make concessions and cater to our users and that's what they've done and and I and I think that's that's for the best the best thing for the industry as a whole and it's not a bad thing for Android either because Samsung's no longer going to be able to differentiate based on size alone.
2: Yeah, well, and it's, it's interesting that you talk about, like, I think the keyboard thing is, you know, people are missing the focus that the the, the third-party keyboards are an example of the extensibility, not the, the feature updated in itself. Like, I think what you were talking about in your review, more that what 1Password can do now working with Touch ID is a much better example of the kind of integration that iOS 8 has and maybe I'm not so hyped to play with iOS 8 right away mostly because um, Yosemite isn't out yet and a lot of the cool features are how it will work with my Mac but then yep. also because I know I can come back in a month and a half after developer, developers have really started to play with stuff and that's when I'm going to see the benefit it's like this this you know was Apple reorganizing their sandbox to allow more kids to play with each other? so I, I want I want to see what the results are of that. It's not like there was one feature in iOS eight that I really really need to use, although the camera stuff is kind of cool,
0: yeah, and, and you know like that's really for me an interesting part is that if you're not taking advantage of any of these improvements, uh, you know from extensions to you know a cloud to a document picker to uh, the the intense menu to things like um, health kit and um, you know, whatever you are missing, many of the improvements. But iOS 8 then will just look like iOS 7 and act like iOS 7, and you'll be like, okay, well, that's just my phone feels, unless you're running an iPhone 4S, my phone feels just a little bit do faster. It, just don't
2: do it, there's no, don't go to iOS 8, no, just don't do
0: turn it. Back Although, the fact that this needed like seven or f- six gigs of, of storage to install is absurd because. Um, I read something about how an eight gigabyte iPhone five C basically needs to be wiped clean just to install the OTA update because there's not enough free storage out of the box. There's only about five point five gigs of free storage. But
2: now, was that a consistent number? Because I was seeing varying numbers all across the the it's interwebs the in terms of yeah, in terms yeah, of what. it the, was
1: like one gigs and then like nine forty seven megs, and like it was weird.
0: Yeah, but they all like, they all have to extract to a certain size, and then you get that you know right. you get that problem.
2: Also, if you I heard that if you updated it through iTunes, you didn't need that space, right? Because it's doing I think a lot of the file switching um, from the desktop or through iTunes
1: because right. uh, it's got to
2: install over itself, right? right? So if you have um, a low, a small hard drive iPhone. Definitely do it through iTunes and back that shit up. Can we just say, just back it up?
0: Just do it. <laughs> just, um, just Ludacris was right. Yes. Uh, so, let, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about L because you know we're we're coming. We, we heard today that the Galaxy Note Edge is coming to to Canada. Uh, next year, we've heard um, that the, you know, Android Silver as a program is dead. Yeah. I know. It's sad. It's true. That, like, I was really looking forward to these, these kinds of Nexus-like devices from Samsung and, and HTC and Sony being sold in carrier stores. And I think that's kind of what Silver was, mm-hmm. is that it was a stamp of approval from Google. But, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about Elf for a little bit because, you know, we've seen the developer preview now since June and it's, it hasn't been updated. You know, Apple has this beta system when it releases a new version at WWDC where it updates the beta every couple of weeks mm-hmm. and you see the progress. But Google's been very uh, secretive in a way about its development. They wanted developers to build apps against the... L APIs, but they're still they're still preview L APIs. They're still uh, you're not allowed to publish an app to the Play Store with any uh, unapproved APIs. So you have developers now testing apps against the Material Design guidelines without actually implementing any of the underlying improvements that L affords.
2: Yeah. So Google is becoming more like Apple, as Apple is becoming more like Google. So Google's resting more control over what developers can do and release, or at least attempting to. And we've seen it with the smartwatches as well with Android Wear, whereas Apple's, you know, finally opening up the system a little bit to allow developers more room to play. Then, you know, this, I think this is a natural kind of sorting out of, you know, hardline principles and then figuring out, you know, what actually works in the reality. I don't think developers shouldn't be publishing anything until the APIs are final and things are set. Like, Android is enough weird <coughs> fragmentation glitchy, screw it, like, you know, let's roll it out as a as a release. They want to name it, they want to brand it, they want awareness of it, and then they want 20% of the Android user base to be able to use it over the next three years.
1: hi No, I think I think it's when you were saying that they're, they're kind of, they seem to be meeting in the middle because Google's getting more like Apple and Apple's getting more like Google. Daniel, you were saying that people who don't go out and read all the reviews are going to not really notice a lot of the reviews. And they're just gonna—it's gonna look a whole lot like iOS seven. And I think that because L has so much going on on the developer side, it's gonna be a case of. For I think for iOS eight, people are gonna not really notice like the improvements until until Health starts making a thing, and they're gonna go, oh, hey, I didn't know my phone could do that." Mm, okay. And then L has like you know they're they're getting rid of there's a Dalvik and replacing it with like Android runtime, and they've got Project Volta to help with battery life. So I think that people are just gonna things are just gonna work better and that's gonna be one of the, like one of the big big differences that people don't hey, really get to hey see. Blackberry
2: in 2007 notice how Google's able to replace their runtime midstream without it being a dyslexic <laughs> cluster cuss um, but so you were saying so because I was you know one of the things with Android is I've been noticing there's so many different ways to do things, and there's so many buried features that even the stuff that I knew about, I'm like, oh yeah, that thing. And one of the things that I first noticed about iOS 8 was they've added a new, like, Apple is now at the point where shit isn't entirely obvious. They now have a, what is it, the Tips app, mm-hmm. where it just gives you a list of, like, improvements that are in iOS 8. Apple is now at the point where they have to tell you what's in the OS for you to take advantage of because it's not immediately clear. Like, no, but
0: that that's sh- they should have been doing that for for 4 years now. I mean, they've been they've been letting people discover these the mm-hmm. l- different parts of it, of the updates and they rely on the blog ecosystem mm-hmm. like us to post yeah. reviews and tips and tricks and, and stuff. And their
2: keynotes where they run through
0: that stuff. Yeah, but I mean the keynotes, I mean d- like we posted something today about tips and you know the iOS 8 tips and tricks some of that stuff I didn't even know until I read that and it's like, you know, we, we you, you kind of f- go through the the update and you discover these delightful features mm-hmm. that you're like, well, crap, I haven't been doing this for two, three weeks now. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a little bit frustrating, but I think that the Tips app, while it's useful, it's also it's it's also frustrating that Apple doesn't let you delete it yeah. or disable it in any way.
1: I think part of the reason you kind of deleted it is because, do you remember during Kido when Tim Cook was on stage and he was talking about the Apple Watch and he was like, it can do so much more, but we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem is that because the ecosystem is getting, it's expanding at such a fast rate that they're just, yeah. they need something on your home screen to be like, yeah. here's all the shit that it can do that we don't want to have to spoon feed to you in a two-hour keynote. Yeah, because we when- have to eat it now because they need it for like, <laughs> they need you to be able to open it later. Generally, go when what is my
2: question, yeah? when they add stuff, they really make. And even if it's a feature that everyone else has, they'll talk about that feature like they just discovered what copy and paste is so that everyone from that day forward knows that copy and paste was added or pinched, like, whatever feature. And, you know, the level of, you know, complexity happening with these OSs and the level of improvements are now such that they can't rely upon that anymore. They either can't keep the OS so streamlined as to have the average user know everything they need they need the the power user features and complexity but then they also can't trust that you're just going to know that stuff's there because it's not like blackberry when they you could trust on keyboard shortcuts or menu based options it's all it's all swipe gestures and double taps and things things where you can't see a hamburger menu to pull up
1: it reminds me of like the ikea demo apartments where like the storage is all like hidden away and you don't know where it is until until someone shows you like here's where you can store your wishies
0: harry potter's living under the stairs it's like a labeled body cabinet I mean, that's interesting that, you know, iOS has become this kind of unruly beast that they have to include a tips app. But it also speaks to the fact that it's moving towards being a desktop-like experience, even though multitasking is still a bit of an issue with iOS. Um, and I think that's really the, the one remaining thing about iOS that will separate it from OS X and windows going forward is that it really doesn't allow you to do more than one thing at a time and i think that's what extensions is trying to do because when you typically before when you wanted to use one password to enter a a password you would have to leave the app enter password enter enter one password enter your master password copy go back to the other app paste it now you can just use an extension and use your fingerprint to automatically enter it it takes away the four or five steps that you would have needed beforehand and it also speaks to the fact that apple is still doing things the way that they think Mm -hmm. things should be done they'll never acquiesce to this open standard the way that google's done it because and tim cook said it in his privacy letter today the user experience is key and the user is not the customer the uh like the the user data is not what they're trying to do. Advertisers are not the customers. The users are the customers. Yeah, the
2: customers are customers, not products. But so to what you were saying, though, I think it's less about doing more than one thing at the same time. It's allowing multiple things to work together to help you do that one thing. So with the extensions, it's all aligned towards one activity or one action, but now multiple apps can work together to do that. I don't, I don't think that we want a situation where, like, I don't want split-screening. I think that's BS. I think you do the one thing that you do and you move on to the next thing. I think that relates to Apple's core focus, and now if that requires multiple apps for you to switch passwords and have that, that's fine, but um, I, for me the, the thing in iOS 8 that still isn't fixed and really isn't fixed across the board is, like, notifications are still broken it's 2014 and notifications don't work across systems in a convenient
0: or usable way but that's really hard because that's a broadcast that's coming from a single place mm-hmm. that's hitting your various devices roughly at the same time and it's reliant on network conditions yeah, it's,
1: it's really it so it's like it just kind of like quick fire and then it just-
0: Right. But I mean, it's, it's a lot more difficult. And Skype has a very good example of that, because they've transitioned over the last year or so over from this peer-to-peer backend server system into a more centralized server system. And that's allowed them to um, know when you've checked an app and what app is active, and then dismiss all the other notifications from all the other apps that you've received that same notification on. And iOS is supposed to do the same thing. And so is google and, and google actually is very good at that they have their google um what's it called messaging service and that detects what active app is is open so if you're using an, uh, your nexus phone the same notification will disappear on your nexus 7 um without you seeing it because it at knows. the os
2: level though but not at the app level because if you go into an app you still get a notification banner like i can dismiss facebook notifications on google and will disappear or dismiss an email but if i go if i go into facebook facebook the counter will still be like hey you have three things that you need to check right it's
1: it's because it's, you haven't checked them because you dismissed the notification you didn't you didn't actually yeah once you go into the
0: once you go into the app then it'll disappear across the board
2: yeah yeah okay. so right now we're in an age of connected systems or systems beginning to connect and i think that that's Making it simpler across multiple devices is the next big. But event. I don't
1: think it will ever be able to do what you're talking about, which is the ability to dismiss a voicemail notification and then have your voicemail box delete the fact that you have a notification or delete your message. Like, I don't know why you would want it to do that.
0: Well, there's all, I mean, there's always an element of user interaction that's necessary in an app. I mean, notifications are by just by definition informing you of something that you need to check. They're not the things that you check itself. So, you know, that's what I find frustrating about Android Wear is that they only provide you with half the amount of information that you actually need. You still often need to open the app that sent you the notification mm-hmm. to find out more about it.
2: How do you feel about quick actions in iOS? 8?
0: Well, I haven't used many of them because not very few apps actually support it yet, but for quick responses, like Jane sent me a quick, you know, text and I responded um, from the notification bar. I mean, that's sort of convenient because you don't have to go right into the Messages app, and that's been something that people have been jailbreaking exclusively since iOS four to try right. to get that for mm-hmm. you know, Byte SMS. Ba- it basically created a, a, a sub community around people who just wanted that that one feature. So, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating that Apple's been so slow to implement it, but they didn't just implement it in Messages. They released an API that allows other developers to build on that yeah. so my mail app now allows me to archive and reply straight from my uh, notification bar but that being said androids had that functionality for two years now
1: yep.
0: and it's pretty damn good on android it's one of my fa- notifications on android are still the best it's way way better than on ios even with ios 8 yeah no i, I completely agree i mean um, the fact that you can't dismiss all of your notifications at once
1: that really drives me crazy. it's crazy I, I still
0: don't understand it it makes no sense Android is superior in that regard. And also, I don't know, I mean, the fact that like Android's notifications are just more flexible. Mm-hmm. There are just more things that you can do with them. Yep. Uh just speaks to the fact that notifications as a as an as an as an idea makes sense on a more open platform.
2: Well, or on a platform more dedicated to user customization right. or intricacies. But I I feel like we kinda of, Glossed over Android Silver. Can we? Can we? We're we're drinking Tallboys of Labatt's Fifty, uh, not sponsored. Like can good we, can we, can we can we pour? <laughs> can we, oh man, I wish. Can we pour out a little bit for Android Silver? The the program that we don't know that was a, was only rumored to exist that we that we all wanted to exist because it would have been it would have been like the Nintendo seal of quality for a lineup of Android devices, and I would have I would have loved to seen. All these manufacturers building taking a taking their shot at saying we can build integrated software and hardware in the Apple style without any of the bullshit that they're required to do to differentiate in the Android ecosystem to like oh we have our own apps that do stuff and if you if you sign up for our OEMX cloud service you can get 50 gigabytes of free blah 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 you'll like, that you'll never use or use our camera because it's d- d- a different color palette like
0: okay yes I get that and I I also you know I'm, I'm pouring it out virtually because I don't want to get this table wet
2: yeah uh, I also want to drink my beer that too. <laughs> <Just establish> that.
0: <laughs> but I think I understand why I mean the information broke the story and they said that it wasn't a I mean the the issue was is, Um, that the guy behind it um, was... uh, He left Google, and I think that it was his baby. Nikesh Arora. Nikesh Arora. But it was also that the OEMs didn't want to cede so much control around uh, marketing because so few of them are making money from Android anyway. So the only company that's really making money from Android is Samsung. And we just wrote about how Sony lost $1.7 billion, or wrote down $1.7 billion, On its way to like a three billion dollar loss because nobody's buying their mobile phones, and this is a company that is one of the most integrated, vertically integrated on the entire eco in the entire ecosystem.
1: Prime sources of revenue. Totally,
0: and they make better phones than Samsung. I mean, I like, but they make Sony phones. Yeah, you. They're so so Sony. Beef
1: about Sony phones that I don't understand.
0: Okay, Sony phones are the same. They look the same. They act the same. They smell the same. They work the same.
1: You
2: can
0: say the same an iPhone. They and it, but that's been a really great model for Apple. Yeah, but the design identity of an
2: iPhone is far like but the thing. Like, the pro- Sony's problem that. is is that they act like they're still Apple when they, they haven't still, been they for years. Apple, really. yeah, Sony, Sony had some like I would say Sony's cell phone division never, but various yeah. divisions of the company Definitely. have made some amazing consumer electronics hardware. But they they're you know it's it's cold and. Siloed and not compelling. I think I had
1: this really briefly when I wrote about it too, like their, their massive losses or the the amended forecast. Is that they've made the same, well, we said this like I think like four podcasts in a row now, where they've made the same fucking phone like three times over yeah. in the last two years. Yeah. And it's a case of if it wasn't working for you then, like give it up and make something new. Yeah. Like it's not, you can't just make minor changes and keep producing the phone and then. Surprised, like that. That note they sent made it sound like they were surprised. They were like, "Oh, like this sudden change of like the competitive mobile." Like I was like, "No, like also, it's been this competitive forever." And yeah. you guys are
2: just stupid. Also, oh,
0: when have you seen Sony spend marketing
2: dollars in North America to promote their phones?
0: Well, they don't. The, Sony has no market share in in the U.S. They have zero. They don't sell their phones on any other on any um, carriers besides T-Mobile. And in Canada, they've gone pretty much exclusive with Bell. And that's very interesting because they're one of the few companies that sell their phones unlocked in their own stores. But they also are one of the few companies that have exclusivity agreements with the carriers anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find so interesting about Sony, though, is that they're complaining not that they're not selling high-end phones, but that the amount of money they put into manufacturing mid-range and entry-level phones is what's eating into their margins. They want to make more money from high-end phones like the iPhone five and or the iPhone and, and the Galaxy S five than they can make from, you know, their T3s and X4s and whatever. Go for it.
2: Then go make a high-end phone that everybody wants, Sony. Go
0: do that. Th- that's not really the point. The point Just is take
2: that...
1: Take your ball and go home.
0: So, Sony actually doesn't have... I mean, they've been selling more phones over the years, but the problem is that everybody over the last year or so thought that they could make money entering the mid-range because the mid-range market that's is growing. Cool. But the problem is that there are... There's one or two companies making any money from this, and that's Motorola, and they're still not making any profit. They're making money, mm-hmm. but not profit from it. And it's companies like Micromax in India, it's Xiaomi in, the, in, in China, and it's um, it's these like smaller OEMs that are eating into the market share of the big companies. Even Samsung's complaining... That they're not making any money from mid-range devices, but they have to do it anyway because that market is growing quicker than the high-end market. So, sure. where do they go from here? Oh, right, smartwatches. Yeah, which is, you know, yeah, <laughs> let's about. take these components we already have at this price point that we can make quite
2: easily, and then and then Sh- yeah, shift shrink them, them down.
0: down. I mean, that, the, the thing that's interesting is that the smartwatch on my wrist is the same hardware as that as a mid-range mid-range phone phone, right so you have you know the the g watch and the and the gear live with a snapdragon 400 processor and 512 megs of ram i mean it's not quite as powerful but essentially it costs them the same but they still sell it um for you know 250 300 bucks and that's a that's a considerably higher margin. That's
1: probably why they're all yeah. creaming their pants in the photo on smartwatches, because they're like, here's something we can just poop out and then make <laughs> there a whole bunch no, of money on it. There was
2: no consumer demand for the smartwatch. This whole thing started because of speculation that Apple was going to make a smartwatch, and then everyone rushed to get one out. Don't
1: forget, though, Microsoft had the paparazzi in this watch. Oh, Tuesday, that was 24. beautiful. Okay. Changing awesome. subjects. MSN data, baby. MSN data.
2: Hmm. <laughs> well, can anyway, we, can we pull one out right? to Messenger?
0: No.
1: Gone. Well,
2: uh, this—that's the thing. We haven't talked about the new main clips on Android One, which is like
1: basically the same thing, but for like dirt cheap phones.
0: Yeah, and it's really cool, and awesome. I think that it's going to do really well in countries that need it because we are awash in quality phones in Canada. Mm-hmm. North America has some great low cost phones, but low cost in Canada is not the same as low cost in India or South America or Africa, yes. and you're looking at devices that are co- going to cost like 16,000 rupees, which is like a hundred bucks, less than a hundred bucks. And they're running pretty good, um, pieces of, they're running pretty good specs, but it's also un, un un-messed Android. It's, it's unadorned. It's basically stock Android with updates directly from Google for two years. And this is something that, that the Indian market, which has a huge Android, um, lust for Android phones has not had yet. But I don't
2: even think it's it's not just stock. isn't it also like designed towards low low power usage and, and lower cost performance? Like, because we're talking about mid range phones that don't sell in North America or don't make profit, and those are four hundred dollars phones, and these phones are going to be a uh, hundred dollars phones sold for two hundred dollars. So there's like a huge difference in the expectation of. What the OS needs to do with those components, right?
0: So the only major differences on uh, these devices is the 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 most expensive components, which are the uh, system on a chip. So Qualcomm basically owns the North American market, and they charge OEMs a lot of money. Yeah. The Android One ecosystem is dominated by MediaTek. MediaTek is a very very interesting company because they're creating low cost quad and octa core chips that. Um, costs about half what a Qualcomm chip costs. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty good. And they now that they're actually getting to the point where KitKat can work with very... Kind of rudimentary hardware specs, and it can run pretty well. MediaTek has reached the point where even their low-end specs are still good enough to run KitKat relatively well. So we've reached an apex where the hardware and the software and the ecosystem and the networks are mature enough to support a program like Android One. And I think that's really what's what's so interesting about it is that it couldn't have come last year because MediaTek didn't have the chips capable of delivering a great Android eco, uh, Android experience at the cost that the OEMs like Micromax wanted.
2: And that's why with Android, uh, silver OEMs were more than happy to drag their feet, whereas with Android 1, you've had, what, 10 sign up, ready for yeah, launch? Yeah, they had, like, like, like three,
1: the three current partners, their current device partners, and then they have, like, 10 companies on like Lenovo
0: and Qualcomm and, like, actual big names that people have heard of. Yeah. Right. yeah, and that's, like... If- Party Womp womp. Yes, this is live, folks. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting, too, is that I think the reason Android One failed in North America, or Android Silver failed in North America, is because we have a subsidized phone model here. Nobody buys their seven $800 phones outright.
2: No one knows how much an iPhone actually fucking costs. Can we talk about that for <laughs> a second? Can we talk? Okay, let's... There's 50 people lined up at the Apple store. Right now. Right now. Center. So the it's
0: 5.20 p.m. Thursday, September 18th, 2014. The future, future, future. Do you yes. know where your children are? They're probably lined up at the center. That's the thing. I was <laughs> with
1: thinking.
0: your credit card. <laughs> that was one
1: of the things that when we saw that picture on Twitter, we, I was like, none of the people in that photo look like they're old enough to buy a phone that expensive. I don't
2: think unless you should Unless they buy enough. it on contract. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we, we um, last week we talked about the iPhone Six and six plus, but we hadn't talked about the pricing on contract because it it didn't come out yet. Um, Although we reported the wrong outright pricing uh, on the day, we were given
2: the wrong outright pricing.
0: No, we reported it wrong. Mm -hmm. We we jumped the gun. We have to we have to take responsibility. But it was Apple's fault and. And I, I, I find it interesting that the subsidy on the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus is lower than any iPhone subsidies before. So last year, the iPhone 5S cost $719 off-contract and $219 on-contract. That's a $500 subsidy. It's a plain $500 subsidy. This year, it's $749 on-contract or off-contract, and it's $264 dollars which is a $485 subsidy, if my math is right, which means that they're actually cutting or shaving that subsidy even further while enforcing, and we we talked about this earlier this week, Rogers and Bell are now enforcing users, um, (laughs) (laughs) enforcing new share plans on hardware upgrades.
2: Yeah. Um, So a part of this is just economics and then Apple's approach to business. Like the reason why you're seeing this is Partially because these are totally new designs. And normally when you have a company, uh the hardware manufacturer doing a radical new design, they usually take a hit on the margins to keep a certain price point. Apple never takes a hit on the margins. They'll like they'll never they'll never pass that off. So I think um, so if there's a 6S and then a 6 plus S, you'll see the subsidization go back oh. to
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: But it's just Apple basically saying, we're not going to introduce a new product line and take a hit on it because we know we're going to sell like bundles of this. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're just not going to negotiate with that with carriers.
0: But do you- sorry, go ahead. Do you remember in the, when the iPhone 5 got announced? Mm-hmm. The so we were still in the three-year contract world then, and that was actually cheaper than the US. Um, so it was one seventy-nine, two seventy-nine, and three eighty-nine on a three-year contract, which was way more expensive over the course of three years um, yeah. than the US, which was one ninety-nine, two ninety-nine, and three ninety-nine on two-year contracts. So people were like, "Okay, that's still uh, like, exorbitant," but then when the 5S came out. Uh, the iPhone five, uh, the the five S was a little bit more, was a little bit cheaper, but it was we were still on the we were still in the three year contract yeah world then or I think it just transitioned over.
2: Well, we do get dinged coming and going, like it's not as you
0: know. They're... No, we were on two years by then. I think it was it was was,
2: uh, I think we were they were they had two-year contract mandate yeah they did
0: that we they transitioned over in August in preparation so the wireless code went into effect in December but they transitioned over in August in preparation for the iPhone yeah anyway uh, long story short they did increase the the cost of the phone but not as much as we initially thought instead they put the price of the contract of the uh, price plans way up and that's really where you're getting dinged so if you're on a grandfather plan you're going to pay double what you were paying before on this new plan, most likely.
2: Yeah, like, and for those people buying it unlocked at the Apple Store, it's still cheaper for them to do that long term mm-hmm. than to be a solo person on a carrier share plan uh, <laughs> for the next two years. Because, yeah. like, I think we did the math on it, right? Like, they. Oh, it's way it, cheaper. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's especially
2: especially if you can cool. add two or three family members or you know a, a partner or something like that to drop down. The, the
0: data cost savings um, well if you have an old grandfather plan and you buy an iPhone outright you can then go to Rogers Bell or Telus and say just activate this on my account Yeah. or you can even take out your SIM card and just, just pop, pop it them, in and yeah. they won't know the difference but if you actually buy a phone on contract they're going to say you're, you're using one of our old three year contract plans we're either going to have to force you over to these, these yeah. share plans which they've already upped the price for because you're still using them by mm-hmm. the way right so if you're still if you're off contract, not only have they increased the prices of those grandfather plans by five or ten bucks a month, but they're going to continue rising until it becomes less annoying to upgrade to the share plan
2: rising tide screws all boats is what I think.
0: <laughs> well done yeah, um, yeah so I, I think that there's you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of potential for uh, user frustration there, and I, we've seen it on Twitter already today. A bunch of people have been talking to their carriers in preparation for the six and six plus, and they're saying, "Well, yeah, I'm not going to be able to keep my plan. This is this is terrible." Because um, I mean, think about it. You, you spend three hundred dollars on a phone, but then you spend sixty dollars a month more per on your contract over a, the course of a year. That's like that's like six hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: It makes me not want to buy new things. And not only because my iPhone 5 with iOS 8 is like a really solid phone, regardless, but I, I don't want to drop the cost of a MacBook Air on a, on a phone that is providing me like that camera better be mad good. <laughs> like, it's pretty it's really good.
0: I mean, I don't know if you've seen this guy, Austin Mann, he's uh, a professional travel photographer. He took the iPhone six plus to Iceland and he took some amazing photos with this and he compared it to the 5S, and he just said it blows it away. Not
2: only am I not going to Iceland, shout outs Iceland, but I'm also not a professional photographer. So you know, the the one of the reasons why I prefer an Apple camera is that I don't I don't screw around with, you know, the F stop or anything like that or the exposure. Like I, I just I I point and click and the photos are good. But it's got to be really, really good to justify that price increase. Totally. And,
0: you know, this is the first iPhone that's gone above $1,000. The iPhone uh, 6 Plus uh, 128 gigabytes is $1,079 mm-hmm. um, outright, uh, which is like $4,000 with tax. And, you, you know, you, like, this, isn't, this is not a cheap phone. And even on contract, it's like $500. So, you know, this is, this is a whole new world. So don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> okay. Um, so let, let's talk let's talk a little bit more um, about Apple pay because we, we touched on it last week, uh, but we've we've had a week to ruminate. we've had announcements from Visa and MasterCard that they're going to support Apple pay when it does come out in Canada and I'll be doing an article on that later uh, in the week. But wait, tomorrow's Friday, so maybe I'll do it next week. But um, you know what we've what, what I've heard is that tokenization, um, NFC, all these things are already supported by Visa card, Visa card, Mastercard, and Visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFC infrastructure is already quite mature in Canada. Apple just needs to talk to the banks and say, "Hey, guys, are you willing to cede some control the way that they have in the U.S.?" And uh, they may or may not. But there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why the Big Five would be very happy to uh, partner with Apple because. We posted this chart last week mm-hmm. about how fragmented the oh, payment crazy. market is right. in Canada right now, and it's crazy. Yeah. You, you just saw all the reader
2: comments just punching themselves, being like, oh my god, is this right. really the way that it is?
0: It kind of made me happy, because yeah. it was the first article that I've ever written where they weren't attacking me. They were, t- they were attacking somebody else. <laughs> they were attacking the content. No, but, so,
2: so- but it was a thing, like, we talked about it the Twitch, it was so weird, because we didn't get much time at all to talk about it last week. there was so
1: much stuff to talk about. Everyone just seemed so sad. Like, it was just like genuine despair. And how like... Nobody came to have figured it out. It's was so fragmented and it's just... Everyone at that point, which is really weird for me, is they were like, I just want Apple to come and fix it mm-hmm. for me. Like, we'll
0: buy an iPhone. Like, these are people who are yeah. like, I will, I've will." i never even thought about buying an iPhone before. Like, I
1: will buy it if you can make it happen.
0: And it's, it's really interesting because so many of these little mom and pop stores now are upgrading their terminals to support... Uh, the new, you know, EMC-type uh, chip cards mm-hmm. and touchless transactions. And if they support touchless transactions, they support Apple Pay. But then they also support, you know, Android and BlackBerry mobile payments, but just nobody uses them.
2: Well, I th- so there's, there's two things here. I think the first is because the infrastructure is better set up in Canada, the banks are less inclined to just bend over to Apple's whims, like in the U.S. because they're all pushing their own payment initiatives. Mm-hmm. Second, you kind of buried the lead because... In the past week, we've discovered that uh, one of the interesting things with this is that the NFC in the new iPhones is only going to work with Apple Pay and cannot be used in any other way, which is like an interesting little twist to the whole... Like, they, they were, yeah, they were I forced know, to put NFC... Know, they'll, they'll, they'll,
1: they'll, they'll change that soon. It's just I feel like I'm, I'm confident that's just for now. I
0: believe. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely... I mean, I, I, we, we talked about this uh, a little bit offline, but uh, Apple Waits, they wait until there's a reason to turn something on, and I think that they're going to use the NFC chip to force accessory manufacturers uh, in into their made for iPhone program. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they, you know, if you want to tap your iPhone to a Bluetooth speaker with that supports NFC, then you, they're going to have to pay. So, that, I mean, that's that's something, you know.
2: Well, also, like the the benefit of not supporting NFC for anything else means that all the accessories that yeah, you, don't you don't try to pair to with your shit. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: yeah so it comes down to money anyway so yeah let, I, Apple Pay sound, sounds really interesting and uh, so I think it has a lot of potential
2: ballpark it out then like when do, you know this time next year will Apple Pay be available in Canada like before the next device releases
0: yeah, I'm, I'm going to say for sure by by the time that WWDC 2015 rolls around, I think it'll be here.
2: As part of a global Apple Pay rollout, or just it'll come to Canada as a North American thing?
0: It's, it's probably just dependent on whether they can get the banks on board. I highly doubt that Apple would even think about launching it in Canada without all five banks on board, because they don't want to risk people you know, from RBC going, hey, I have an iPhone, I can use Apple Pay, and then they just, oh, sorry, they, they don't want
2: ubiquity. They, they don't
0: won't. do that. Like Apple, just doesn't yeah. do half measure. So they'll wait, and maybe it won't come until they've you know locked down all the agreements. But I just think that the banks in Canada have nothing to lose because the infrastructure is already there, and there's these are the most profitable banks in the entire world. TD and RBC make more money per quarter than like any other Canadian company except for the except mm-hmm. for the energy industry. It's crazy. So yeah, I don't think they have anything to lose from that, and Visa and Mastercard want it because that's their technology being used yeah. more with on more devices.
2: Yeah. And why not screw PayPal while you're at it?
0: Yeah, or <laughs> incite more New York Times full page ads. Yeah, because that's really you know the last recourse
2: of a desperate company. What I find super
1: interesting is that like there's retailers like Walmart and Best like, Buy who are like no, just not into it, and they're not they're, like they're not supporting it at all, which I find like.
2: Well, because it screws with their, it screws their own customer information. Yeah, like,
1: well, Walmart's also got like its own payment thing going on too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's
2: why they're like, no, we we we, we they basically said they're like we still believe in our system. Well,
0: We're they keep troking. You know, ISIS, not yeah. the terrorist organization, the one? the other one, the the Verizon. Okay. So they it's now Softcard, but um, you know, formerly ISIS was uh, you know trying to disrupt mobile payments in the U.S., but they only had a few partners. I mean, everybody has a vested interest in whatever partnership they already have. Um, Apple just wants to make everybody use mobile payments. It's not, it, it's not benevolent. It's, they're not trying to do it because they're magnanimous. They're, they're trying to do it because they are getting a, a piece of, of every transaction. Mm-hmm. But uh, it also means that the more people using mobile payments, the more ubiquitous the idea of paying with something other than a credit card becomes.
2: Yeah, but there's got to be one ring to rule them all. Like I just I was uh, out at lunch today with uh, the fearless Ian Hardy at the Loblaw's, getting some foodsies, and I saw him pull out his uh, iPhone to use his Loblaw's app specifically for payment. Uh, and I didn't say it out loud, but specifically in my mind, I <laughs> was critiquing the fact that there's there's no all that's doing is giving Loblaws a better sense of his spending it's to nice, better yeah. ad, mm-hmm. like advertise for him. There was no yeah. there was no ease of purchase for him. There's gotta be one that digital same payment solution. Station at
1: across the road today. Mm-hmm. Me and Daniel went lunch, and Daniel was like, "When should is paying on his car, And he was like, "This isn't easier.
0: Like Apple Pay won't like it won't be easier. I'm still gonna have to like like no, there's no I, way." I said Apple Pay will be just as easy, but the current apps. The current apps available today. It's just
1: as easy, so isn't easy.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's not. No, the we media. we have the best payment like the best payment um, infrastructure in the world in Canada. Like it just. I don't believe anybody that that whole that ridiculous Apple demo video where they the woman was fumbling with her credit card and she was oh. swiping it and no, it but, didn't get approved. But
2: it's a totally different thing in the U.S. than Canada. And then also your experience was with one app at one pay station and you're pulling out a different app every time. I think the benefit of Apple is to say, oh, all your apps will still still totally work. We'll connect them through Passbook and it'll be Touch ID based. So I just have to swipe the phone or my smartwatch. and I don't have to worry about, oh, do I have the app for Starbucks? Do I have the app for Tim Hortons? Do I have the app for Loblaws? Do I have, you know, pulling out each individual payment system? I can just do it once and it'll it'll sort. Like, that's... Every all of the kits that Apple is building are a part of it being your remote control for your digital life.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, the hub. It's all about flow. It's all about hub and flow. What was that movie? Hustle and flow. That was so good. (laughs) I did not see that movie. It's hard out here for a pimp.
2: Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah, Yeah, it was hard out there. It was. So good. You, you know who it's hard out there for? Uh, a Canadian carrier that's not one of the big three.
1: WinMobile, Hala, Segway.
0: Well done.
2: Um, so I, I think efficient
0: form of transit.
2: You sat down with uh, Mr. Anthony UnCarrier Locker. of Canada himself, yeah, the Canadian UnCarrier. But I just just to set the stage on this because I wrote up. Um, Convergence Consulting Group does an annual report on the uh, the new entrants in the Canadian wireless market and uh, basically forecasted that by the end of the year, 2014, there's going to be about uh, 1.6 million um, subscribers across all entrants. Now that um, excludes public mobile, but includes mobilicity. Um, taking a look at the numbers, it basically means that by the end of the year, um, anyone who's not one of the big three combined will have about the same number of subscribers as in 2012. Mm-hmm. So the CRTC's mandate for a fourth major carrier, I'm not this so much.
0: Yeah, so, okay, we have to look at it from in two ways. First of all, in 2012, there were five, uh, and and now mm-hmm. there are, are essentially three. Yes. So, you know, the new entrants are WinMobile, uh, Mobilicity, Eastlink, Videotron, public mobile at the time. Uh, and then basically uh, like t and all of them were sort of, they were already established, but some of them bought AWS spectrum, but the new entrants um, that we think of as new entrants are these national ones that sort of try to roll out service. Yeah. So
2: Sastel not included. Not Yeah. Sastel,
0: even though the government considers them new entrants based on their status as having under 10% market share, they're not, new entrants because they have a, a sort of a regional focus. But Mobility and Videotron and Public were the only national companies that really rolled out networks. And even they don't have a scope nearly as big as Rogers, Bell, or TELUS. Uh, Wind is doing okay. They have 750,000 uh, subscribers. Public got bought by TELUS, and their 200,000 subscribers are now being integrated into uh, KUDO, essentially. Uh, and they're transitioning over to HSPA Plus. Mobility's dead. They have about a week left before they um, have to recover over 1.2 billion dollars in debt, uh, which is insane. And uh, Videotron's got about 550,000 customers, but they are sitting on a bunch of 700 megahertz spectrum that they haven't decided whether they're going to use yet. Uh, so, Wind is really the only company that has the potential to become a national. Carrier today, mm-hmm. and with the news that Global Live and a consortium of companies from Canada and the U.S. bought out the remaining share of Vimplecom's um, majority ownership, uh, this is good news. It means that Wind is now Canadian controlled. It's under the Glo- the Global Live auspice. It's uh, controlled by Anthony Lacavera, and uh, he's going to do right by the company. He just needs to figure out how to get more spectrum. Which he has no idea, and or I'm sure he has an idea, but he has no idea. He's not telling. His him.
2: hopes and dreams, and probably plans, but you know the best, best laid plans of Canadian carriers. But also um, has made a statement to remain independent, right? Well, so the I merger mean, talks that we've discussed, and you know that being said, like he can proclaim to not want to merge with. Uh, or be bought out by
0: a company until the minute that he does it.
1: Yeah, then he'll say the partnership is perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's
0: it. I mean, It may not be a merger or a buyout. It may be a partnership for now, right? We don't know how he's going to do it. But he needs more spectrum. So how he gets it is either buying the AWS 3 spectrum mm-hmm, in sorry. early 20 thir- 2015, uh, which means he would need to raise capital to do so, or he buys out Mobility and uses that spectrum or he partners with Videotron. Sucking down a lot of debt. Yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, that's what the name of the game has been so far for, uh, for new entrants in Canada. Yeah. Right.
2: Okay. So then how, do, how does this news, and like you sat down with him for, like, we have like a 20 minute interview on the site that everyone should check out. But how do you feel like this, the recent news affects the upcoming um, competition talks?
0: Well, the competition talks will focus a little bit more on uh, domestic roaming and uh, the rates that the big three carriers can charge the new entrants per megabyte or gigabyte of domestic roaming. And and these guys want it to be regulated the same way that um, ISPs are regulated. Mm -hmm. So Rogers and Bell sell a block of uh, bandwidth to smaller um, cable or DSL ISPs like... um, or or Acanac and and Tech Savvy. And um, I don't think that's going to happen. The the CRTC has been very reticent to regulate that. What they'll do is they'll probably end up um, limiting what they can charge, but they won't regulate it. So they'll say, okay, you can't charge more than X number of megabytes or X number of cents per megabyte, Uh, but they won't say you have to charge um, a minimum of this.
1: Especially in the UK, when they're doing Yeah, when they are downloading it, like you can charge what you want, but it can't be more than
0: this. There right. has to be a ceiling. Right. So, the, I mean, that's that's a, that's the difference between a, a minimum and a maximum. But the maximum is no, not, not what Videotron wants. And, and we have to preface it by saying that Videotron is sitting on the spectrum that they may not do anything with. Uh, a lot of people have talked about how they need to buy out Mobilicity in order to be eligible to buy the AWS 3 spectrum that's been set aside in parts of Canada that Videotron doesn't actually function. Because if they don't have a network in that area, they can't. They're not eligible to buy that set aside spectrum. Uh, but what it means is that Videotron could just sit on their asses and do nothing, and just sell the spectrum that they bought for a huge profit, and just stay yeah. in Quebec.
2: Yeah, and then maybe they, maybe play for a partnership later if it if it facilitates. You yeah. know.
0: I mean they already have a partnership with Rogers for their right. LTE network. You know what what's saying that they should, that they would just continue working with Rogers. Because Quebecor is a very big company. I mean, this is not a new entrant. Videotron is a very—it's—it's it's like Tinder. Mm-hmm. It's owned by a bigger corporation that that basically moonlights as a as as a startup. Yeah. I mean, Videotron has the same thing. People don't know it as a as as being a subsidiary of of Quebecor. But Quebecor is one of the biggest companies in Quebec and and in the world. I mean, in the world in Canada. And that's the reason that Bell bought Astral is to take on Quebecor in quebec Mm because quebec or is is enormous they own sun they own a bunch of advertising um companies they own uh terrestrial radio they own Mm -hmm. everything so i don't see them doing something rash uh if they can pick up mobilicity for a song they will Mm -hmm. but then they'll take on all that debt so then they have to figure out how to make that into a benefit for them pretty shitty song yeah a U2 song. Whoa! Yeah, no, one that. no one wants to talk about U2 yeah, on this podcast. It. Nobody wants.
2: <laughs> oh man.
0: I'm sorry. Is this thing on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think Anthony Lacabera is a very—he is a brand in and of himself. I think Wind has a lot of support because they <laughs> offer some decent products and the price is right. But the network's shit, and he knows it. Like, very acknowledged it. He knows that yeah, there's rules. The
1: I, like, I was watching this to and I'm like, if he can fix it, like, and he's my hero. Like, honestly. One really of the things so that I was thinking I was watching, it seems like he really knows. And probably wants to know, like, what I was wondering is like, is everybody working at Wind on Wind? Is that why they can't, like, speak to <laughs> <So, Aww. laughs> Because he's like, oh, I've been here for six years and we're stable. And I'm like, yeah, stable, crap. Like, I'm on Wind. Uh, I'm pissed most of the time.
0: But you don't leave because you're not willing to spend a hundred bucks a month it's so fucking cheap um,
1: well okay so
2: shout outs to uh, Faisal who asked us in the comments of the last podcast I know both Daniel and Douglas are on Roger's three year plans will you guys be buying out your phones or renewing the two year contracts for the iPhone 6 personally I have a great $50 plan that I don't see myself giving up anytime soon although I don't like having to spend $850 on a phone so we'll be looking at alternatives that uh, than high cost phones so like Nexus or the 1 plus 1. Mm. Uh, Faisal, I honestly don't know. I haven't chose uh, my medicine yet. and I'm actively looking at either raising a family for a shared plan or trying to get a business <laughs> account because business accounts are the way to go. Because if Rogers thinks that you're a business rather than an average customer, they treat you like a
0: human being. And they, you can still get a three-year contract on a business plan. Yes. Which uh, not a lot of people know about. Uh, the wireless code only applies to individuals, not businesses. So uh, that's important to know. Um, I'm on a really good plan right now, and my contract ends in April of 2015 because, and this might be a piece of trivia for anybody who cares, the last phone I bought on contract was the HCC One X. I spent a shitload of money on it. I spent 200, <laughs> $249. It was $199 on a three-year contract, but then there was that $50 fee that you had to pay up front and then if you kept the the phone for more than three months then they put the credit back into your account this is the way that rogers worked back then the because the (laughs) price (laughs) the price they showed on the sticker to say it was 199 that was the promotional price what you did was you got a you got a a you got a rebate it was a a digital rebate but they only gave you the rebate if you kept the phone for longer than three months on the same contract on the same uh account yeah you know all about that yeah,
2: actually. it's uh so i will well, I'll say the only phone that i've ever actually bought on contract is the 4s hmm. and i've just been operating a ponzi scheme since then <laughs> um admitting like, this in public yeah whatever it's it's fine can i do some shout outs before we get to the app of the week uh
0: yeah i mean let's let's talk before we before we move on to the app of the week we're, we're going to talk about um the nexus 9 Ooh. um and the rumored launch date of october 16th um so the Nexus Nine is uh, rumored to be created to be manufactured by HTC. The first um, tablet that they've made since what the, the Flyer and the Jetstream back yeah, in twenty eleven. I
1: After the Flyer, but the Flyer was announced like literally in like March twenty eleven, discontinued by December. Yeah. Like, it Yeah, not a good phone or,
0: or tablet. It was. I don't
1: think it was that bad. It was just like they just didn't know how to
0: sell it. Mm-hmm. Well, back then uh, it wasn't a piece of shit. It was just they just. They were a piece of shit at the time. But Honeycomb was a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, Honeycomb yeah. was a Band-Aid on top of gingerbread yeah, that works. eventually led to Ice Cream I Sandwich, know. which was way better for tablets, but uh, that's another story. So, um, Nexus 9. Anybody interested in a larger Nexus tablet made by HTC? No. no? New Tablets are, are just... I, don't
1: know. I, say, I
0: know. Are tablets I over? I, mean, I
1: was going to say, i to... I and mean, I used to use my iPad which I can't remember the last time I turned it off I'm pretty sure doesn't even charge anymore because it is has more ignored so long. but I was like yeah I don't I don't think I would buy anything I think if, if someone gave me a tablet, if someone told me that you have X amount of money and you buy a smartphone or a tablet Like you have no device I
2: would definitely just buy like a 6 yeah, hmm. I, I don't. The larger tablets don't fit any of my use cases in the way that yeah, you like fit your like I have, okay. I have I have a I know, yeah. most no. So, oh, hey, so try walking around. Try walking around with a passport. Did the Slack test oh, yeah, earlier, earlier this week? Woo! Uh, got some stairs, but uh, boxy
1: boy, that's what that is. <laughs>
2: An actual passport. Yeah, my actual passport which now allows me to travel internationally. Shout it's Ireland. I'll be seeing you in October. Um, but no, so the I have like a what is the the tab is like a eight inch, like a seven in a bit.
0: And, seven, I think.
2: Yeah. And that's I don't need if I'm going anything bigger, I have a MacBook Air sitting in front of me. Like I don't I can't see the situation where I need to be portable and have my screen that big.
0: Mm. That's
1: why I think the service is such a terrible Awesome.
2: That's okay. Do we have an hour to talk about the we surface? We do. We do
0: not. But uh, no, the surface. I think we, we should actually talk about the surface one day because it's a very, it's a divisive device. It's um, a divisive, divisive once, device. Once once we play Minecraft on it, then then you're all Minecraft. Let's let's talk. Shout out Notch, man! What an honest letter. Seriously, what a guy. Dude gave he. I mean, not gave up. He made a shitload of money. But uh, the dude is a he's, he's, he's not afraid to talk from the hip And be like I do not want to be a famous Developer celebrity guy I just or, want to or be run a company Or yeah. run That was I was, I was like Yeah you take that money You run Like He's off to like Smoke cigars And, and
1: just Work on a side project side Good for him Yeah I mean
0: Minecraft was a side project For a long time
1: And then that's what I one things Like off the letter it was just that he It was just It becomes so much And it was just a burden Mm-hmm. And he created this thing that everybody loved so much and he had to try and mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he had to try and stay true to it and stuff. And I was actually talking with a friend of mine before when there was rumours of the acquisition and I was like, What do you think he's gonna do? And my friend was like, What do you mean? you know, because he's so rich already. And I was like, Yeah, but you think he's gonna take the money, do you think he's gonna cut and run? Or do you think he will stay and make sure it doesn't go somewhere they just wanna go? And I found kind of it so interesting that he was just like, That's it, I'm done, you guys can have it. It helps it
2: helps when you say uh two billion dollars is my asking price and they give you (laughs) 2.5 yeah i
0: mean he wasn't she wasn't shy about that either he was like okay i'll let you i'll let you have it but it's gonna cost um shout out punitsoni um he was the uh the senior product manager who left motorola this week i met him when the moto x launched in 2013 and he was a really really nice really good guy all the best to you man uh, you had some shout-outs? Yeah, shout-outs to Aaron Hoyland. Um,
2: Daniel's actually responsible for the audio, so that's not my one job. Uh, shout-outs to... Uh, Jeff Brassard We love the idea of you having a Zoom Tramp stamp, that's amazing <laughs> uh,
0: Also Lumia 830 coming to Canada We don't know when, it'll probably be Early to mid-October yes. uh, Jones, Lumia. Shout
2: Lumia Shadow out uh, we're not going to get soundproofing foam We're going to either hang up uh, Tarps or blankets or Egg, egg, egg curtains, egg cartons, all of our
0: Outdated uh, phones Or we'll just find a better room this yeah. is the only, we, we're figuring it out, guys. It's gonna happen, though.
2: Shout out Jason Vandalar, who
0: has an awesome name.
2: Yeah, great name, very classy. And then wants uh, wants to have more subscribers.
0: Um, mm, me So too.
2: keep dreaming. We're, we're it with you. And
0: shout out Scotland. We don't know whether uh, it's, it's yes or no, but uh, we're but we we are we are on yes on on this side of the table. Well, hey, I don't want to lose a country
2: in the Commonwealth. <laughs> oh, speaking as a country that
0: was in the Commonwealth. I see. Part two. Seriously. Do it yourself. All right, folks. Are we um Are we talking about what is this kitty something? Kitten taxi. Kitten taxi, folks. App of the week. One of
1: the best indie games out there.
0: Uh, what is kitten taxi? God, I don't
1: even fucking know. It's like this race car like Grand Theft Auto with kittens, mm-hmm. like it's mad, like it's just it's awesome, and the artwork is pretty. It's a game. There's an app purchases, but don't
0: don't be that victim. Okay. 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 So check out. Taxi. taxi,
2: or and also Mr. Crab, which is apparently your favorite mobile game. Oh, I
0: love Mr. Crab! If you are on iPhone, uh, or or Android, or uh, uh, iPad, Mr. Crab is an amazing game, and it just got updated this week with metal support. So it has some amazing, um, amazing effects, and it runs like butter. And it's the most addictive one-touch game. I love it. I love it. Uh, I wish it would come to Android. So uh, developer, whoever you are, work on it. Um, I got two shout-outs.
2: Uh, first one, uh, PopKey, which is the uh, going to ruin all language and uh, rational discourse by releasing an animated GIF keyboard. Uh, they're Ottawa-based company. They also do PopCanvas. Uh, shout-outs to those guys. Way to ruin society. I cannot wait to use it. <laughs> and uh, also... Checky is a new iOS app that tracks how many times a day you uh, look at your smartphone screen. So probably everyone... Uh, listening more, to this podcast should should download this app and mm-hmm. then weep because we're doing it way too much. Oh, and Forest. Forest is an
0: app that just oh, got yeah. released for Android, and what it is, it gamifies your patience. So you leave the okay. sc- you focus. If you leave the screen on, you grow a tree, and then gro- after half an hour, it grows into a forest. But if because you le- it after
1: half, you plant a seed, and after
0: you see, see your oh, you have use it. True. So Way to shame me. So,
1: yeah, it did. like it plants the seed. down the seed. It plants the seed. And then that seed grows into one tree. And then it adds that to your forest. And then and however many times you get through that half hour and oh, it adds the tree. Because okay. I was like, this seems stupid. But you can just go here and it'll tell you that it's still running in the background. So you can just press home. And it's like, don't Oh, worry. no. We're this working this is working on that forest. That's
0: cheating.
2: This the, the- so I
1: was like on Instagram. My tree was growing
2: more app of the weeks this week than any other apps week combined.
0: Apps, apps oh and before. Starbucks for Android is uh the new hotness. Um uh, download hey, it to... or
2: if you're on a... oh, it I, yes. so I just got just got a notification
0: out, okay. your tree is dead. Oh, it works on my phone. So I guess your phone I guess it doesn't It just knows that I HTC <laughs> cheats. So there you go. All right folks, that's that's all we have for this week um we are going to uh, be here. Um, I'm not going to be here next Thursday, but uh, you guys will we'll pick back up the slack. We're going to do it for the pod. Yeah, it's um, gonna be a two-time pod. It, so. <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> um, follow your nose to the pod next week, and uh, we will uh, we will see you. Uh, we'll see you uh, later. See you later, folks. Bye.
2: Bye.